Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 122 of the Double Density Podcast with your host, Brian Angelo. Double Density, your home to tech tales and paranormal primers. Now, first things first, Angelo, I asked you for one thing and one thing only in my absence. I go off on my honeymoon, and what did I t- ask you to do, Angelo, uh, in my absence? Uh, go on Twitter sometimes? Yes, go on. Go I did on it the twice. Shows. I went twice. Go on the shows. You actually missed some DMs. We'll talk about that later. Uh, okay. Go on the shows. Yes, Twitter account. But also, uh, in my absence, uh, while recording with Tyler Knox from RGBA, please do not mention illusions. Do not mention magic. And you failed very, very quickly. Did I keep that in there? You sure did. You did a good intro just now, though. Unlike me, uh, my intro was uh, not not Brian Caliber. But you were fine. Anyways, you mentioned magic much <laughs> to my fine, chagrin. Thanks. Uh, you and Macklemore apparently like uh, friends now. So mm-hmm. I saw that. I'm, that's one of the DMs I missed. Yes, because apparently he is a wizard rapper now. That seems fake. Yes. Uh, so we are officially in November now. November. Apple TV Plus is here. Disney Plus is coming. By the time you're listening to this episode, it'll be out. Everybody will be rejoicing watching The Mandalorian. Um, but I tried Apple TV Plus, Brian. So before I forget, did you see the ridiculous like Twitter roll of the the Disney um, shows coming out and the movies on the stream? I saw news about the Twitter roll, and there's a lot of stuff coming out there. Some people have been faking a bunch because they now own Fox, right? So they did all the Aliens and all the Terminator movies and all the really really bad um, ex- like exploitation level like like shoddy filmmaking movies. And I really really enjoyed. It. And I wished that that was its own streaming service, like X three. Yeah, as well, different caliber, but yeah. Um, so you tried Apple Plus TV or Apple TV Plus? I apologize. Apple, yeah, Apple TV Plus. That's what it's called. Uh, iPhone 11 XOX. I thought the sign-up process was going to be weird and convoluted because the reason we have it is because my wife has a new iPhone, and the you get it included, right? If you buy any product, it could be like a, an iPhone 6s. You have a new Apple product, you can still get Apple TV Plus for a year for free and signing up was really easy. And now everybody on the family plan has it. So hit me with this. What did you watch? What did you see? What did you like? What did you hate? I did not see C yet. Oh, ho, ho. Uh, no, the only thing we watched uh, because we were looking for something to watch as a family is we watched Ghost Rider, which is a show, I think from the nineties that they've remade. Right. So it is a PBS show from the nineties uh, with Jamal and uh, friends and they solve Local mysteries, thanks to a uh, a, a dead, um, uh, like a ghostly figure, which we'll tie into what we're talking about later, but uh, who helps them uh, solve mysteries by, like, for example, like pointing letters out um, in a sign to spell something. Yeah, and in this case, now it's Ruben and his friends, and he is uh, living in a bookstore above a bookstore with his uh, mom, uh, who are there to help their grandfather, who has recently lost his wife. Uh, Ruben's grandmother and uh, spoiler alert she's the ghost really that ties it all the way home uh, to anyone out there who watched the original PBS series when I was a kid the first story arc had to do with um, uh, the acronym THABTO do you remember that uh, no because so it's funny because I had it in my head that th- this show was a different show and I had in my head that it was read all about it, which is a oh, little no, bit that's different. before Ghost Rider. Exactly. So the original Ghost Rider, the first arc was these people in masks doing like like bad things and va- vandalism, like mi- like super minor scale vandalism. And uh, they kept uh, writing Thab to everywhere, which is two heads are better than one, because it turns out that the bad guy or bad children were actually like two teens or three teens. In this case, uh, the first storyline was about Alice in Wonderland and uh, Neil Patrick Harris. He played uh, the uh, White Rabbit. Really? Yeah. Yeah. 
So anyway, it wasn't bad. It's a kid's show, right? So like uh, people listening to this, unless you have kids, don't watch it. But if you have kids, not bad. Even my son, uh, who has no attention span, uh, actually sat through the whole thing. He even wanted to watch more episodes. I did not watch the Jennifer Aniston, uh, Steve Carell, Reese Witherspoon show, uh, The Morning Show, I think it's called. I haven't watched that yet. Apparently, some pe- it's got mixed reviews. I've heard from some people it's great, some people that it's not. Um, what I do want to see is For All Mankind, because that seems very much up my alley. I'm going to let you uh, go ahead and uh, parse through the Apple TV library and uh, come back to us on a regular basis with some updates, some insights, and some thoughts, because I will probably not end up getting it. Uh, and if I do, it'll probably be when I buy a new Apple product in the new year. Honestly, I don't think it's worth $5.99 a month just yet. There's really there's literally seven shows on there. You can count how many episodes of the shows there are, unlike Netflix or uh, Disney Plus when it comes out. There's no way you can count what's on there. There's so much. Yeah, I agree with that. I uh, Slow rollout. I mean, we'll see where it goes, right? Yeah, this is why they're doing it this way. Free with anybody who buys an iPhone. It's the best way to do it. I think I agree with their strategy in this case. So um, sort of like uh, pivoting to sort of like in the same domain, I uh, sent you an article from the Washington Post all about uh, Netflix and how they are operating at a deficit that continues to grow. And um, it's kind of funny because uh, in the first part of the article, which we'll link to in the show notes, they had mentioned another article um, from The Atlantic uh, all about like sort of like a um, these startup companies, right, like Casper, Uber, uh, DoorDash, Lyft, who operated at a loss until the, you know, the fake it till make it sort of uh, uh, business model. But in Netflix's case, they keep investing in original content because it keeps getting siloed out to all these other different um, services. The thing, though, that is very problematic is that a lot of people will probably start giving up Netflix as soon as the Disney service arrives, pretty much, right? If not, they'll be, you know, opting in and out at will uh, when there are new um, uh, seasons or shows or properties that Netflix owns that air our premiere there. I think that's what's going to happen because there's a lot of good stuff on Netflix, but at a certain point, there's only enough time in a day to watch a certain amount of things. And I don't think I'm going to be canceling Netflix. I'll keep the ones I have. We've talked about this over and over again. Like if Apple TV Plus wasn't free, I wouldn't have that. I don't think it's worth six bucks a month, but I do feel like Netflix is worth the, what is it, 12 bucks a month. I feel... YouTube's worth it, and I feel um, Disney's definitely going to be worth for. I think Disney's a steal at eighty bucks a year. I think they're doing that uh, as a direct shot to Netflix, right? I think. Let's be honest here. If they're trying to, that's how you you gain a monopoly, right? You run people out of business, and then you uh, you know raise your prices. Well, Disney has a monopoly on Disney stuff. That's it's true. Uh, some interesting stats from the article include upwards of eighty percent of Netflix viewers watch licensed content. It's not Netflix's content, correct? No, exactly. And then uh, Netflix is currently operating at a loss of about $20 billion in debt, and they're still operating at a loss, and they keep you know, uh, creating and funding new properties, including uh, the imminent release of Martin Scorsese's The Irishman, which was a $160 million movie to produce, and that's not even talking about marketing costs. Well, what I took away from this article is that basically you and I are richer than Netflix. Yes. And many other internet companies. Though you, uh, I don't like you airing my uh, financial laundry on the podcast, but yes, it is safe to assume that we are less than $20 billion in debt here. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not airing anything there. I, I, we can all assume that you have less than $20 billion in debt. I, I would hope so, or else <laughs> I don't know where you're getting the money to pay me for this podcast that uh, we, we share. We can do whatever we want, Angela, as long as we get some people to invest in us at the initial stages before we go to IPO mode. 
any questions and uh, financing, send it to doubledensity.net. There's a contact page there. Double density. I was recently watching a BuzzFeed News video all about early internet dating, AOL, uh, you know, AIM, MSN Messenger, a video of Jim Gaffigan talking about how he messaged his wife-to-be over on AIM. Do you remember AIM? Did you use AIM? Never used it once. Um, I heard people talking about it. But the thing is, is AIM was a bigger thing in the United States. Absolutely. Here in Canada, we all used MSN Messenger. I used to belong to a forum, and I'm not afraid of admitting this. I used to belong to the GameSages.com forum, and uh, everyone on there was either on ICQ or AIM, and everyone eventually migrated to AIM. AOL was like, it's literally there, America Online. We're in Canada. Unless it's, uh, you forgot the, the tiny N, so it's, it's North America Online, because we still got those desks in the mail. Oh, yeah, it's true. I used to get them. You're right. I never signed up for it, though. Oh, gee, what a, what a waste of plastic. No, they're, they're great coasters. Um, all that to say, uh, did you ever, and we've sort of talked about this before, but did you use instant messengers in order to um, uh, move romantic uh, relationships forward? That stuff became more popular in the early 2000s. And by the early 2000s, I was like in my 20s, right? So uh, it, I was more old-fashioned than that case. Too cool for school here on Double Nancy. Angela admits that he... No, too old for, for that. Like, uh, it's just, it's just old. <laughs> that was just a really bad, like, proto-dad joke right there. Yeah, no. I was trying to find a rhyme. Didn't work. See? <laughs> you, still, you still went the right way, though. I very much applaud you for that. I try. Uh, all that to say, like, I obviously uh, used MSN to chat up uh, women I was interested in. I definitely was very respectful, did not. Um, you know, we, we didn't, you didn't really ask for nudes back in the day, did you? I, I wasn't into the whole uh, texting thing until I got an iPhone because really? I didn't, yeah, I didn't have a texting plan. I didn't like using uh, numbers to create letters. It was very weird. What is the T9? It was yeah, called? Yeah, as my wife and I talk about on a regular basis, using T9 is a lifesaver. No, I don't remember that. I, I first started texting in 2010 when I got an iPhone. <sighs> I have nothing to say to that. Yeah, I'm old. I was well into my 30s. Moving on from was old. 30? Yeah, no. I don't know. You did the math. Yeah, yeah, I was 30. Do you need a calculator? Your phone is a calculator. All the youngsters listening to this podcast, oh, he's old. I'm just shutting this off. I hear your bones creaking as we talk. Could you calm down in a seated manner? Next topic I'd like to talk about is something that I think you'll be facing before I do. And it's the idea of um, teenagers and people in their late teens approaching their parents, letting them know that they want to be streamers for a living. Angelo, what if one of your kids approached you and said that? Well, my kids both watch uh, streaming uh, video game people. Well, actually, they don't stream, right? YouTube is not the streaming thing. <laughs> no, they're like Let's Plays. Yeah, they watch YouTube video game people and uh, two in particular, but I try to curate that as we've discussed. And uh, they haven't shown any interest in becoming YouTubers, although that's like a, a big thing, right? And what if they uh, don't understand that that's the case? What? What if they don't understand that it's a job you can do? I guess they don't yet. I mean, and then one day you're sitting there with them and you're talking and you let it slip and suddenly you're faced with a dilemma. Yeah, no, my kids are... Are you, one of, those, are you one of those hope crusher parents? No, I want Daddy, them to grow I want to be an astronaut. a nice unionized job with a pension. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to exist when they become adults, though. It will not. I can tell you that right now. That's too bad. Uh, all um, that to say, are you... So, Daddy, I want to be an astronaut. Daddy, I, you know, I want to be Batman. Daddy, I would like... Batman, no. Astronaut, maybe. To live on Mars. No, I don't want that time. Mars is a one-way ticket right now, too, right? So, yeah, that's not a good thing for my kids. Um, but let's say five years from now. Talk- let's say let's let's say five years from now. You're, you're when your kids is a teenager, Dad. I kind of want to be a streamer when I grow up. 
we've talked about this, but they end up burning themselves out because they have to keep this content flowing. It's like a traditional job so, where, you know, they have a performance review, they get to keep their job, they, you know, they have sick days. They can't do that because if something happens where they don't put out something, the kids will forget and they will not come watch them again. So I think there's a differentiation to be made between YouTubers and streamers, right? So YouTubers put together more packaged content, whereas streamers just get up, log on to Twitch, shoot, play. And you watch Twitch, right? On a regular basis, yes. Wow. And and you find it entertaining. Uh, it depends. It's all about the personalities too, right? I guess. And look, who am I to talk? The stuff I watch in the evening isn't exactly uh, entertaining to you, is it, Brian? To most people. Let's be honest here. Maybe. I have uh, zero interest in what you watch, my friend. I'm sorry. Um, but all that to say, there are different niches out there, right? All these people on Twitch, you subscribe to them. You pay a monthly fee. There's even a Patreon for like added stuff. They have a Discord server that you can uh, chat on, et cetera, et cetera. I wonder if there's people playing Call of Duty. There is a little a- thing? Absolutely a lot of people playing Call of Duty Modern Warfare right now. Yeah. That's a new one? Is that a new one? That is I a new one. To, I used to follow that stuff. I used to play Call of Duty. It's like the 16th or 17th Call of Duty game. Yeah, I I initially came to that with Call of Duty 4, like a lot of people, the Modern Warfare one. That was a really good one. I feel like this episode is just an excuse to age you. Yeah, yeah. So Facebook, Brian, Facebook. Facebook, Facebook? aka Facebook. Like, uh, it's like Sega, like the early, you know, <laughs> the Sega sound. Um, Facebook all caps now, right? Everywhere. Yeah. Facebook is still Facebook. They're just the worst. So Facebook is the worst, but the thing is that they are um, branding all of their properties in order to uh, properly display ownership over these things, which they think will create less um, uh, issues with the Department of Justice. The article uh, from NBC News compares this to what Google did with Alphabet. Yeah, it's like an umbrella corporation. The only thing is they should have changed Facebook to something else. Well, yeah, because uh, it's still Facebook. Facebook is Facebook, my friend. I never call Google Alphabet. I think the only, like the only context I use the word Alphabet for is for the literal Alphabet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe we should switch gears and start calling them Alphabet Inc. Ooh, interesting. So that way we're clearly differentiating between the search engine and the parent company that we use for uh, multiple things, including uh, Google Docs and uh, Sheets and uh, Drives, etc. Google Currently Maps. using that. Let me let me look. Let me, I'll show you how I highlight. All right, let's do Google. this. See how I highlight? Oh, perfect. It's all pink. Perfect. I'm glad that yeah. you learned a basic um, function of the uh, computer. Yeah, look, um, Facebook's still the worst, but I still don't mind Instagram. Well, yeah, I, Instagram and I use WhatsApp for certain things. Um, not the greatest solution in the world, but it's a solution that I can deal with. Um, some interesting stuff, of course, is that uh, there are now uh, some... Uh, leaked, not necessarily leaked, but um, uh, during a discovery of uh, um, a Facebook lawsuit, some uh, documents have come to light, including the fact that uh, early on in this decade, Facebook was restricting use of uh, their um, uh, platform from certain developers that they viewed as uh, competitors and also gave preferential treatment to others, including Amazon. Are you shocked by this, Brian? Hugely, hugely shocked and disappointed. I don't know how I'm going to live with myself. I think I might just hang up on the Skype call. Um, how about we just go to the paranormal section? <laughs> uh, don't be so disillusioned, my friend. Let's go ahead and do that. Hello? I'm a computer. I'm a computer guy. Everything made out of buttons and wires. Double density. 
Welcome back to Double Density. And as always, we are switching gears from tech to the paranormal. And uh, first thing on the docket is something that you, Angela, would like to talk about. And so I will let you sort of uh, lead the first dance, and then I will get into my number. Well, we have a listener-submitted article this week. Uh, see, we if you submit something to us, we'll talk about it. Absolutely. This comes from uh, one of our listeners, and uh, I don't think he wants to say his name because he wants to remain anonymous. So uh, I won't say his name, but he knows who he is. And it's about haunted mines and UFOs. My favorite thing about this article here is that uh, you don't really think of Sudbury, Ontario as a hotbed of activity, but there seems to be a lot of like weird stuff going on there. Uh, the biggest laugh I got from this article was the fact that uh, of the three people that work uh, on a mine in a mine on the weekend, one of them is called the operating shaft boss. And I don't know why I found that funny, but I found it funny. Is there a reason I found that funny? I have an idea as to why I don't want to get into it. I think it, it, it begs a deeper um, psychological uh, investigation of your neuroses. So along with the shaft boss, there's a hoistman and a fire guard. And uh, one time in, in the 1970s at the uh, Levac mine, is that how you would pronounce that? Levac, I'd say. Levac, okay. It sounds like a weird uh, anglicized version of uh, uh, the francophone name Levac. Um, anyway, uh, there was uh, the fire guard going down uh, and he descended to, to level 2650. Uh, that sounds like uh, he got far up in the levels. Maybe a Twitch streamer was getting very excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> what a dad joke. And apparently there was a panicked voice uh, from the other end. Uh, the OSB, the operating shaft boss, got a call and he had to get him back up. The problem with that is that it takes about a half hour for uh, the person to get up. So 15 minutes for the elevator to get down there and 15 minutes for it to get back up. Uh, that must have been a horrifying 15 minutes because apparently the uh, fire guard came up saying he was not alone down there. Spooky, scary skeletons. Um, the article from uh, a site we've never accessed before, the Northern Ontario Business website. I will admit uh, I've never accessed this one, no. But um, I'm glad uh, our listener found this article because it was kind of interesting. And um, he came up and said there was somebody down there with him. Oh. And uh, of course, the operating shaft boss said, there's only the three of us here. Uh, and uh, no, he said, there's somebody down there. But you know what he said afterwards, right? That it was ghost. But who was telephone? Oh, who was phone? <laughs> That's a callback to like one of the first 10 episodes. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I found this super interesting. It's, you know, off the beaten track, literally and figuratively. Have you ever been inside of a mine? No, I've been inside of a mine via television, but not actually. Okay. Uh, it's a very weird atmosphere the lower down you go. Um, um, Must uh, be quiet. Cold. Well, that's the thing. Cold, damn quiet. Um, they have uh, internal weather systems, some of them, right? Really? Well, minor ones, right? So you, you feel a breeze. <laughs> um, I see what you did there. Minor weather systems. <laughs> uh, anyways, all that to say, uh, super interesting article. I really enjoyed it. Uh, thank you to our listener for sending this our way. Wait, what about the UFO? Oh, you want to talk about the UFO too? Let's do this. It was a hotbed of UFO activities from the 50s to the 70s. And uh, apparently one of the stranger things happened on November 11th, 1975. Oh, which is uh, right around the time we were dropping this episode. Interesting. Huh. Huh. Coincidence? Yes, I, exactly. I was, coincidence. I was about to say coincidence. Totally a coincidence. There were uh, tons of reports of lights flying in the sky and um, the part I found the most interesting is that there was a 30 to 40 page document from the U.S. Air Force. And uh, the document apparently has mostly been redacted. So one of the things I, I learned in doing research for uh, this podcast is that there are often 
U.S. fighter planes and Canadian fighter planes who cross the border without official sanction. And you think that's what happened here all the way in Sudbury? Could be a war game. Between Canada and the U.S.? There, the, no, or like you, the U.S. does that, right? Sometimes and sometimes they cross over accidentally or not so accidentally. But, you know, there's really a really far into the... I mean, it's not that far for a plane. I guess. Here, hold on. Let's do this. Okay, Sudbury to U.S. border. Okay, all right, all right. Okay. Ah, it's not that far at all. If you look at the map, Angelo, it touches the right, the, the tip of, uh, of Michigan, more or less. Oh, uh, okay. So that makes sense. Michigan again. With I know. Uh, always out there. But yeah, they're not, it's not that far away when you really consider the, uh, the implications here. Especially if they were using wormhole technology. Well, yeah, of course. Uh, remember the dinosaur? Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. Remember the dinosaur. Perfect title for the show. <laughs> um, that, yeah, all that to say, I do believe there's something terrestrial. It is perhaps, um, you know, uh, planes practicing and things like that. We've heard stories of this. Yeah, but still interesting nonetheless. So, Angelo, I went on my honeymoon. Where did you go on your honeymoon, Brian? A bunch of places. You went to Chernobyl, correct? You went to Georgia yes. and then swung by Chernobyl. Exactly. It was a direct from Savannah, Georgia, all the way to... Oh, Savannah, uh, Georgia. Exactly. I thought Georgia, the country. No, Savannah, Augusta, Atlanta. And how was that? It was great. Um, my wife and I took a uh, walking tour of sort of like a, a ghost walking tour, if you will, of Savannah. Of course you did. And uh, I'm glad it's like you did some podcast research yeah, well, while that's you what, were on your honeymoon. That's what my wife was saying. She's like, this is perfect opportunity for you to sort of, uh, you know, do some research and things like that. The first thing I want to talk about is the concept, though, of like um, um, uh, paranormal or supernatural tourism. We've kind of t- touched upon that before, right? Because there was a tour here in Montreal, and that actually came up at Sunday lunch this week that my sisters want to bring my daughter on a ghost tour of uh, uh, Montreal. So straight up, most of the ones in Montreal are uh, not, uh, not great. Let's be honest oh, here. I've done two bad. of them. Not great. Oh. Um, compared to the ones I took um, in Savannah, a lot better, a lot more interesting, a lot more engaged. Because it was like Southern a, charm. It, not just that, but it was a history lesson, and then sort of uh, moving forward into uh, ghost talks. So I figured you would have appreciated the history talk, and then into the ghost talk. I love history. It was, uh, it was, it was, it was sensational uh, in, in terms of of content in certain ways, right? In order to sort of like entice your audience, but it wasn't entirely sensationalistic that, you know, that's what you let off with, which was good. It was something that I appreciated is getting a, a nice history lesson of the uh, environment and then sort of moving into the weirder and spookier things. Okay. So uh, where did you start this? Like what was your first ghost stop? So we um, stopped around the your first haunt, if you will. <laughs> I knew you'd say that the Hamilton Turner Inn, which is um, the basis of, or sort of like the uh, uh, the setting for the novel Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil by John Berendt. Oh yeah, I know. I saw the movie, right? Oh, there you go. Yeah, um, sadly no John Cusack, but uh, you know, there's like a, a lot of stories about uh, the Turner family, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, um, and so there is ideas of uh, you know th- there being hauntings due to deaths. What kind of deaths were they just like standard? Oh, he died of old age death or well, there were some children deaths like, uh, Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's always creepy. There are children deaths. And then ghost children are the creepiest. Yeah. They, they, they want they to play with you. Yeah. Unfortunately, one of the, um, one of the daughters had, uh, they had, it's kind of a convoluted story, but anyways, uh, that one of the daughters had gotten hurt and they hadn't realized how badly she had wound herself and she'd gone to bed and, and unfortunately passed. 
Oh, that's horrible. It is now an Airbnb, though. No, sorry, it's not. A, it's it's a regular B and B, not an Airbnb. So if you want to go ahead and stay in the Hamilton Turner house, you can. Um, Doctor Turner actually put a pool table on the top floor, and people claim to have hear um, pool balls being hit sometimes when there's dead silence. Maybe there's people actually playing pool. <laughs> there could be. Um, and then onwards and upwards, literally, we moved over to the Colonial Park Cemetery, which is one of the uh, largest um, cemeteries in the area. Um, there are thousands of bodies there. Did we discuss this once? We may have. On like places to get married or something? <laughs> yeah, we may have, yeah. Um, you know, because of the American Civil War and the American Revolution, a lot of people uh, got buried there. Mm-hmm. So that the Civil War is something that comes up often when uh, people talk about ghosts. Well, yeah. And it's also like one of the, this is one of the larger places in which a lot of the, the battles happened. Right. Now, did you see any civil war ghosts stuck in a loop? No, sadly. People talk about that often. No. And it's something that actually did come up that our tour guide did talk about uh, very, very briefly. Um, some interesting stuff about the cemetery is that there are allegedly, I'm not sure if this is true or not. Um, NASA had used, was wanted to use their, their ground radar technology, like their sonar technology. And so they used it here knowing that there were bodies and apparently, um, uh, people were buried outside of the confines of the established cemetery. So you could be on a street, um, on a sidewalk and there could be, you know, uh, buried bodies under you. I'm not sure Ooh. how true that is. I haven't been able to find any conclusive evidence beyond what the tour guide told us. So I'm kind of uh, taking that with a grain of salt. Yeah, but I mean, it, it seems likely. For sure. Something super interesting too that, they're, that the tour guide was mentioning, and I do believe this, is that um, people were stacked. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like someone would die and then uh, they would yeah, use Yeah, no, their... I, I know what you mean. It's, it's kind of horrible to think about it that yeah, way. Yeah, I mean, listen, if you need room, you know. It just goes to show how many people actually died. Yes. Well, so there are sort of unofficial number of the number of people who died from the uh, 1820 yellow fever epidemic uh, was uh, an accurate count of 666 people. No. Yeah, apparently. But uh, they like to claim about 700. Okay. Well, then that's too convenient that it was 666. (laughs) I agree. I agree. Um, It was really interesting. Um, We actually got to walk the cemetery the day after the tour because the tour, of course, happens at night. Were you scared at any point? No, I was fascinated. I wasn't scared. You didn't see any good, 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 good ghosts. No, but our tour guide had shown us a video of uh, someone. Someone had shot something in like 2006 or 2008. I can never remember which um, year it is. But basically, it was a ghost child climbing a tree, and it looks very realistic. Ooh, creepy! And uh, did you soon see a uh, dog and four uh, teenagers? No. <laughs> No, sadly, I did not um, at all. We got to stand on some cool stuff. She, uh, The tour guide brought us to a point that was just like this clearing. She said, this is the dueling grounds. There are bodies buried under here, too. There are bodies buried everywhere. There are indeed. In Savannah, I mean, it's a very haunted place, right? Mm-hmm. Including, um, then there was talk of uh, what is allegedly um, Savannah's first serial killer. And who would that be? Ronnie Rondelier. Now, this was my favorite article that you sent me. It's a bit of a weird one, eh? It's so interesting that, first of all, anybody would believe it that there was. So so the thing with him, the, the unbelievable part, well, there's a lot of unbelievableness about it, but that he was seven feet tall, seven foot five feet tall mm-hmm. and pounds. covered in hair. Yeah, and three hundred over 300 pounds. Um, he had a, uh, a mental age of like 12 max max. So he was a Bigfoot. Yes, essentially. He was Harry from Harry and the Henderson's. He's the missing link. Exactly. So uh, the thing with him apparently is that he would spend a lot of time in the cemetery nearby because he lived nearby with his family. Nice place to live. 
And then what would happen is that he would uh, try to understand why people died. So he would dig them up and then slowly but surely he would, uh, as you progress with a serial killer, obviously, um, you know how they do the murder animals, tick, like, oh, tick. And then he advanced onwards to um, uh, younger women, like uh, alive younger women. Now, due to his height and uh, how unbelievable this is, I would call this a tall tale. <laughs> I'm just full wow. of these stupid uh, puns tonight. Yeah, this I'm is like really a, sad. This is not your, uh, I mean, it is your best effort, but it's also like your worst effort by far, right? So I'm sorry. Welcome back to the show, Brian. Anyways, all that to say, uh, Rondel Gay um, got chased around by uh, a, a militia, I guess, of people. And apparently, allegedly, they killed him. They buried him. And then they, um, the family decided to move, right? And in those days, you dig up your dead and bring them with you. Yeah. So they dug up the grave, opened it up, and he was gone, allegedly. Allegedly. Like, this is all mm-hmm. alleged, right? Now, so is there an actual grave of him? No. Okay, there's nothing. This is there's indeed no a tall tale. This is, yes. uh, yeah, it's definitely a, a folklore tale. Very effective, right? It uh, plays into a lot of the uh, the sort of established facts of what goes on um, and what has gone on in that area. There's some great alliteration in his name as well. If there is, yeah. So that, that you know, RR. Those are always, was he a supervillain? Maybe. Um, I also forgot to mention the super important thing of like when he was um, supposedly buried, they thought they had stopped the killings, but more um, people had popped up dead uh, in the same manner that uh, he had supposedly killed these people, right? So they assumed, unfortunately, that they had um, Uh, killed the wrong person. Hmm. Yeah. This is so much fun just talking about dead people. Yeah. And ghosts and goblins. We talked about ghosts last week too. So let's talk about something super fun. One of the coolest things I saw is the uh, the Marquis of the Savannah Theater, which is um, uh, a historic theater that was built in 1818, and uh, it is gorgeous. It is one of the oldest theaters in the United States, and uh, the Marquis is great. It's all lit up and stuff. And while we were there, they um, had a bunch of shows going on because it's like the 200th anniversary, and they just keep rolling out into things. Um, and so they're having shows like pretty much like uh, three or four times a week. Now, of all these things you saw, do you have a favorite? I do, but it's not mentioned here. Oh, okay. Right next to the um, Savannah Theater is a square, and here's the square where they shot the infamous bench scene from Forrest Gump. Oh, cool. Did you have a box of chocolates there? I did not. And also, the bench doesn't actually exist. So, Oh, too bad. I know. <laughs> I know. Um, that was quite fun, though, to see that. And then I also ended up seeing uh, one of the Forrest Gump Oscars um, while at the Jimmy Carter um, uh, Presidential Library Museum. So, How was that? It was fun. It was fun. It's my second one. I did Clinton's in 2014. Um, we got in for free because it was his birthday. And apparently if it's the president's birthday on which it falls, you can actually get in for free. So pro tip for all you Americans out there. Was there anything uh, about his UFO encounter? The, I, I searched so much, dude, and there was almost, there was nothing. It wasn't the story about Venus? No, sadly. And I, I combed, I combed that museum, my friend. I, I was hoping. This. I was hoping, yeah. man. Anyways, all that to say, the, the Savannah Theater is very interesting. There have been a lot of like, um, um, sort of some famous people had performed there. Oscar Wilde, W.C. Fields, John Wilkes' Booth's brother, Edwin Booth. He was the good guy. Yes. Yeah. Um, so apparently, uh, allegedly, a lot of the performers at the Savannah Theater claim that a frisky ghost will goose them, will touch them um, before shows. Uh, they've had people come in to uh, uh, cleanse the place. And I guess it hasn't worked. No, unfortunately, he keeps coming back. Or the, I should say it keeps coming back. Hmm. So apparently, yeah, they, uh, a lot of people would feel 
um, someone tug on the back of their shirts or, you know, uh, touch their, their bottoms. Probably not a ghost though. <laughs> probably, probably not. Um, it is a great theater to kind of take a look at and go all at. Um, also on the list and where we ended is the Sorrel Weed House, which is like one of the most haunted places in America. A lot of the, um, those paranormal shows shoot there. Oh yeah. Yeah. Ghost hunters, ghost adventures. Um, one of the most, uh, the travel channel called it one of the most terrifying places in America, et cetera, et cetera. And was it terrifying? It's really, well, we didn't do a tour inside of it. Right. So I don't know. Um, very interesting stuff. Uh, uh, you know, is the barracks for the British army. Uh, there's so many kind of uh, things that have happened there. There's a uh, marijuana joke to be made here that I'm not going to make. No, that's fine. You can uh, not go ahead and do it. Um, there was some, uh, you know, some overt murder masquerading as suicide. There's always these places where it seems like bad things just happen. Yeah, there's a lot of, um, I would say it, it definitely has an atmosphere to it around there that you don't necessarily get when you're in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, or, you know, Minneapolis. Yeah, and, and this article, it, it, it continues talking about how Savannah, Georgia is so haunted. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, a lot of death has happened there, right? So when you carry a lot of death with you, chances are there's a lot of lingering spirits who haven't yet made a permanent home. So how do you rate this? Would you, uh, a must visit? If you're interested in this sort of thing, you can spend days there looking at things and, and taking tours. So I would absolutely recommend anyone who has a passing interest in ghosts to go there. Take a look at all the different cemeteries you can take a look at. Um, we only did a few because we weren't there for that long, but uh, definitely a worthwhile endeavor. Um, and I enjoyed it uh, muchly. The weather was also amazing. Alas, you did not capture any ghost footage on your iPhone. No, we did not shoot any, but uh, the tour guide showed us stuff that uh, was very, very interesting. Is there any way we can find that online or just, no, the, uh, the, the part of their shtick is that they don't, they don't put it online to sort of like give added value to the tours themselves. Ah, uh, okay. Which I can respect. I mean, yeah, I get it. Totally. Um, all that to say, like it, it definitely, if you're interested in ghosts, this is definitely a, a part of the world that you should be visiting. Um, it is beautiful. Um, the architecture itself is great. There's a lot of really cool stuff to look at. Um, it, it, there's definitely like a feeling in the air though. I feel like whenever, cause this is my second time there and I, I, I feel it. Uh, a feeling of um, not being haunting, alone. Like, yeah, not being alone necessarily. Huh. You know, I get that feeling too when we're when we're recording. Like right now, I'm feeling of like, oh, somebody's staring at my back or something. But no, <laughs> it's just um, you, just me, just me, worrying that uh, a ghost's going to get me, or I'm going to go into the kitchen and that little alien guy's going to be at the window. For sure. Um, I mean, the tour guide was showing us stuff like um, pictures of a uh, a doorway, right, let's say. And uh, there was like a, sh- a shadow sort of like um, approximating what a, the outlines of a person um, on the door frame as well as on the, the lower frame too. Kind of interesting. Can it be faked? Absolutely. You know. And it was all ghost stuff, right? Like no interesting UFO things or anything like that. No, unfortunately, no UFO stuff. I did buy some UFO books. Shouts out to Mackay's Chattanooga, Knoxville, Nashville. Um, which are like literally uh, gigantic used book warehouses. And uh, lots of UFO books. So I bought a bunch, yes. Cool. Uh, which I will probably use as the basis for future episodes. I managed to find a really cool copy of The Interactive Journey, right? The uh, Betty and Barney Hill um, story. Uh, an older uh, paperback that looks super cool. The, you know, the newer editions don't necessarily have the cover of. Nice. I am actually looking forward to uh, bringing those up in the show because that'll be fun. I'm actually reading one right now that uh, is uh, about uh, one of our favorite topics that we'll be broaching sooner rather than later, I think. And we'll talk about the Chupacabra sooner or later. Exciting. Anyways, I think this is a great place to end episode 122 of the Double NC podcast. How does that sound to you, Angelo? Yeah, welcome back. It's, it's nice you. not having to do the interstitials because I 
don't feel like I did them very well, but I think... You did them fine. Relax. Yeah. Okay. Well, I had two good guests. It could have been Actually, I don't want to call them guests. I want to call them co-hosts. I was going to say I want to call them friends, but acquaintances well, uh, uh, Yes, okay. They're friends as well. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Alex. Hi, Tyler. You're my friends. Oh, just a quick note uh, before I forget. Frequent uh, guest and honorary co-host of the podcast, Rob Christofferson and I are starting a new podcast all about music, right? Sounds like you're cheating on me. No, we've talked about this. I know. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be called The Coda, coming out every uh, second Friday. I do believe the first episode will come out in early December. Um, we're going to be recording very, very soon, seeing how that goes. So if you want to... The show go, art is amazing. It is. It is. And to those people who know what it is and have figured it out, you're welcome. Um, you can find us over on Twitter. Who to, created uh, the show art, Brian? Uh, Desdemona, another uh, past guest of the exactly. uh, Double Dancing Podcast. Go. But yeah, you can go ahead and find us at uh, the, the Coda Podcast um, for all of your... Uh, you know, uh, show updates and things like that. So if you're interested in music, I have a passing interest in talking about Followed you already and sent yeah. you an email. You did send us an email. I'm going to go through it on the first episode. So perfect. Amazing. That'll that'll prompt me to listen to it. I wasn't going to, but now I will. Getting back to our main baby, though, you can find us over on Twitter, double underscore density. You can also hit up double density.net in order to find out more about us, find all of our recent um, shows, uh, articles in the blog that's been neglected, RAP, speaking <laughs> of ghosts. And then if you want to contact us, you can also uh, either click the contact button and then fill out the form or email us at double density podcast at gmail.com. Angela, I think I've hit all of the markers I need to hit in order to bring this thing to a close like a very worn book. You've done everything right, Brian. I'm hoping everything. that people tune into next episode as we ban Angelo from any and all magic talk. Sounds fine to me. I'm not supposed to be talking about it anyway. See you around, Angelo. See ya. Are you dead? No, no, no. Sorry. I just was getting a sip of water. Mm.